Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Here in Puckburg, your place for the daring do bad and good pucktails. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, aka Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Pucktails. Woo woo! And uh, <laughs> you know who at the other end of the woo hoo, my good friend Matthew Joseph. How's it going, my friend? Good, doing really good, Kyle. How about you? <sighs> Living the dream, you know. We we got that cup, and it makes every day just a, a little bit nicer. Absolutely. I love seeing the the guys with the cup on Twitter. I'm loving yeah, it. Isn't that that's like one of the highlights? Like you get to watch everybody else do it and you're like, okay, whatever. That's nice. Like Victor Hedman tote the cup. But then when it, it hits home when it's like Kale and Miko and like the guys that you watch like all eighty two games of the regular season with, like it means just a little bit more. So I I totally understand you there. Absolutely. So, we have you on today. We want to get your puck tale, how you got your love for the game of hockey, what landed you where you are. So, let's let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. What was your first moment with the game of hockey? Okay, so, um, I grew up in St. Louis, mm. and blues fan. Uh, but as a kid, I was a baseball kid. Dad took us to baseball games. So really, my first love was baseball. And uh, big Cardinals fan, uh, deep roots there. I could You can never pull me away from that. Yeah. Um, but um, once I got to be a teenager, um, I started getting into it with some friends at school. And one of them took me to a, a Blues playoff game. And uh, I think it was like the 1988 season against the Red Wings, mm. and I was like, "This is pretty cool." <laughs> so, I, before we hop, I, I'm placing this mentally. Are you the Wizard of Oz era St. Louis Cardinals? Yes. Oh yeah, Ozzy Smith. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. He was one of my favorites. My grandfather was it growing up was a huge Cardinals fan. So, and I, I rode through like the big Mac years and uh, like the Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. So yeah, I, I totally can understand that. So, so we got blues playoffs. Let's continue there. Blues playoffs. What, what about the blues at that time stood out to you? Okay. So, uh, Bernie Federico, he was, Mm. Probably, I could say he was probably my first favorite hockey player. Uh, I can remember, I don't remember exactly what the occasion was, but they honored him for, uh, maybe it was his last season in St. Louis. And and he. I remember him giving a speech, and he had a broken jaw. And he <laughs> couldn't talk. And so he was talking like this, and he said, I would like to thank the fans. 
And I don't know. There was just something really cool about this guy with a broken jaw. Getting That's hockey for you, man. That's Absolutely. hockey for you. Yeah. So, uh, but going on from there, um, uh, you remember the EA Sports NHL hockey game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I they're, was they're still all popular. About right. But uh, back in the early 90s, you know, when the Sega Genesis was popular, um, uh, we, we played those hockey games just like day and night, uh, me and a couple friends. And, and then my girlfriend, who eventually became my wife, we used to play it together. And you know how those games are. You, you get really good at it. You just beat the snot out of the computer. <laughs> and we would play as teammates, right? So to make it a little bit more difficult, we thought, let's be the worst team on this game. Ooh. And at that time, it was the Quebec Nordiques. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of see where this is going now. <laughs> so Kim, my wife, uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, we became fans of the Quebec Nordiques because of this video game. You know, they have the roster on there and you're you're scoring you're scoring as Joe Sackick. <laughs> and uh we were buying hockey cards and jerseys and the whole bit. And then in the, uh, I think it was the 93, 94 season, the last time that Quebec Nordiques came to St. Louis, mm -hmm. we went to the game. And uh, I actually wore a blues jersey to that game. Okay. Ooh. I still had one foot in the blues. One foot with the Nordiques, you know, I got my Western Conference team, my Eastern Conference team. Mm -hmm. I know that all too well. Right. But Kim had a uh, Nordiques jersey on. She had a Matt Sundin jersey that I had bought for her. Nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great one to have. Yes. And, uh, but anyways, I still have the, the score sheet that I, kept that day and you know the program all that stuff and I, I love how you brought up like the ea sports video games because like i've had a couple of guests on here and that's it's one of the focal points we talk to about our fandom and like it's great that like you're you decide let's make this game harder let's pick the worst team like <laughs> that's that yeah. was literally what i would do every time i would buy the new one was get the worst overall and I would take my team up against them just to, you know, try the game out, get familiar with everything. And that's how I used to keep track of, because back in the day, like, you did not get a lot of, like, at the time, Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes. Like, they had that really interesting jersey that you didn't see a lot. So they were, all, I always loved that Kachina jersey. So I always had them as my opponent when I was, like, just playing against the computer because I was fascinated with those jerseys. And that's how I would keep up with, like, the Florida Panthers and because they didn't get TV time. It wasn't like we have today. So it was, you got to see all these Jersey combinations and that's, uh, it's fascinating that you pick Quebec. Cause I always laughed at Quebec's logo. Cause I still couldn't understand. Like I didn't understand what that was supposed to be. <laughs> right. Right. So I was, it was always the team I, cause I played um, NHL Stanley cup for the super Nintendo. 
and I was always the Anaheim Mighty Ducks because, because of course, the movies were big at the time against the Nordiques because I couldn't understand that logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, to this day, I'm still not sure, but I think it was just supposed to be like an igloo or something. Yeah, that's that's what I hear uh, when it's explained. It's supposed to be an igloo. And when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, sure. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. But so. Um... Tell me about, so you both attended the game. You have the score sheet, which is incredible. So was that the moment that you decided, like, cementing your love with the game or cementing your love with, hey, you know what? This Quebec team, they could be, like, the lovable losers here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, they had that great turnaround season, 92, Mm -hmm. 93. But, see, I wasn't really paying attention yet. Yeah. And so we're playing this video game and, you know, those, those games lag behind. Right. So by the time the next year version came out, all of a sudden the Nordiques are really good. Yeah. Okay. And that was, that was uh, NHL 94. The first time they had, had the one timers. Yep. So I I remember that, that game breaking move all the time. Once you realize how to do it, Mm. Right, right. But um, I guess when I really, um, when I really became solid Avalanche fan and let go of the Blues was when those were on '98 when uh, Brett Hull was about mm-hmm. to become a free agent, and it's kind of a long story. But he wanted to stay. He wanted the no trade clause but they didn't want to give it to him for whatever reason. And they offered him a contract for a bunch of money, basically knowing that he would refuse it. And he turned it down and then he, he walked the next year and won the Stanley cup with the Dallas stars. (laughs) And I was very bitter about that. And I swore to my friends at work. I said, I will never root for the blues again. As long as Larry Plo is the general manager. Well, I didn't know it was going to take 17, 18 years for him to go away. (laughs) And by that time I was all avalanche, you know, um, and in contrast that story to what happened with Joe Sackett when he was a, uh, I believe he's a restricted free agent. Mm-hmm. around 99 or so and the rangers swoop in and they say here this is what this is what we're offering and avalanche said we can match that yeah and so he stays and he was here i got something out here to show you oh snap yes that's my guy joe sackett oh, he wow you know, when I talk about uh, that video game and everything, you know, that had a big part of becoming a Nordiques fan. But Joe Sackett, he really kind of, I like to say, stole my heart Yeah, from, from St. Louis. Just his, uh, just the classiest guy in sports. And still today, I tell people he's probably my favorite athlete of all time, just because of he he didn't say a whole lot. He just did it on the ice. You know, 
and, just watch them play and you see it. And especially like in the the like the rolling nineties, like where personalities started really in sports, like personalities really started becoming brands, like all around sports. And like even like you know, you had your Ronix and your holes, and Gretzky was team jumping and putting teams on the map at that time. For Joe Sackick to just kind of just handle business, which he still does to this day, just get on the ice, handle business, and let the game do the talking. Like that, I think that has a lot to do with like the respect level of Joe Sackick. You, he always did his talking on the ice, and when he did speak up, you listened because you knew he had vital information or he was putting the team in a position to win, to where everybody else would do that through headlines and sound blurbs and. I, I it, yeah, it's definitely one of those things you can really respect, especially in hindsight, looking back at how he handled his entire career and how he handles in the front office. Like Joe Sackick is, I think, very underrated when it comes to the grand scheme of sports personalities and his importance to the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, he actually had a nickname in the media back then. They called him Quoteless Joe <laughs> because, you know, they just couldn't get anything out of him, you know, like, like con- contrast with Brad Hall in St. Louis. He was always saying whatever was on his mind or, but, you know, Joe just kept it professional and uh, I just love the way he led. I, I think it also was even more vibrant having a personality like Patrick Waugh on the team who yeah, everything he did and said was a quote and, uh, bulletin board material, Joe Sackick was the complete opposite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and you could like, and Sackick's still like that today. Like I, I remember when they hyped up that Nathan McKinnon, like that hole in one challenge at Lake Placid or Tahoe, like Lake Tahoe. And they had Sackick on there and they were trying to interview him. And it was just very, just, yeah, yeah. happy for <laughs> Nate. Hopefully he could have the same success. It was just very just like so low key and under the radar and very effortless. I was just like, yeah, Joe has aged like fine wine. Yeah. Yeah. Still the same guy, you know, <laughs> he's awesome. And so this is, we're hovering around 98, 99. Joe Sackick is taking your heart from the blues. Um, and I honestly, i Interested to see how many Blues fans at that time had that same kind of exodus that you did. And now, a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. You make a bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash it in. 
you could throw down on all the major action from baseball, golf, MMA, and much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And now we resume our regularly scheduled program here in Buckburn, live in living color for your ear holes. You know, uh, my wife and I are really the, the only people I know around here. Really? Who, who, I guess you could say, jumped on the bandwagon, uh, the Avalanche bandwagon. Um, there are a lot of Red Wings haters in St. Louis. So uh, I think there were people in the late 90s that uh, when, it came, when it came down to the Avalanche versus Red Wings, you know, they would say, go abs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, in the 2001 season, the Blues and the Avalanche had to play against each other in the mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals. And that was like <laughs> – that was like – a this it was almost kind of like my coming out party yeah like look i'm not making any bones about it i'm avalanche fan now i'm not going back i'm sorry (laughs) and uh the guys at work uh and i we had a, a good time you know with all that during that playoff series of course i had a better time than they did of course of course but, uh, but yeah, uh, going on from there, you know, I've always paid attention to, to what's going on with the Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember when Eric Johnson was drafted number yeah. one overall. And um, to see him, you know, one of the best images that I have in my head of that the cup win recently was when uh, on, on TV – there was a shot where Eric Johnson had a couple of guys. I think one of them was McCarr and one was uh, JT Comfort. And he was almost kind of looking into the camera and you could see him say, we did it. Yeah. That, that, that was my favorite moment of that, uh, that victory, you know, I didn't even, I, when you mentioned the blues, I didn't even put two and two together until you just mentioned ej like yeah that's that's where he got his start and a lot of people have forgot about that now ej yeah. is like we've purged that from his his uh resume that he's he's been an avalanche forever but uh, yeah yeah ej original blue and now now i now plays with us and now brandon sods over there so mm. yeah i hated to see that oh my gosh that hurt uh, me yeah, and he had a pretty good year with St. Louis last year. It wasn't wasn't too bad. It, you know, we we come off the one Cup in the story. What what about the Avalanche kept you around? Was it Joe Sackick playing as long as he did, and then assuming the role in the front office shortly thereafter? Or because there were some very low periods for the Colorado Avalanche, and at the time it wouldn't have been. 
<laughs> it wouldn't have been a not wise choice to leave the avalanche at that time because it and honestly felt like they were not going to go anywhere for a while like there were some really interesting choices and just some really low points for the avs especially when wah walks out on the avs yeah yeah that not was, a lot of hope for avalanche fans then what kept you around i don't know i guess uh I mean, even though, you know, it was easy for me to walk away from the blues, I guess I, my roots really weren't that deep as mm. a blues fan, even though, you know, lived here my whole life. And that just like my dad didn't take us to blues games. We went to Cardinals games. Uh, yeah. And so by the time I became a hockey fan, you know, it, it was uh, Kim and I, going to see the Nordiques come to St. Louis. And and so it was kind of an easy, uh, easy thing to do, you know, but so, so my root, my hockey roots grew as an avalanche fan, you know? And uh, so, you know, the bad seasons and whatnot, you can't just flip the switch like that, you know, when those yeah. roots are deep. And, um, and you and you mentioned how you and your wife bonded over like the Nordiques and like this fandom and Joe Sackick with being somebody you fell in love with. It sounded like your your fandom of the blues was just because it was there and it yeah. was local and it was there, right. but like you sowed more heart seeds and like in the avalanche with finding a player and then with your girlfriend and now wife, something you bonded over with your love of NHL 94 and then building out of the Nordiques, something that was a joke now is something that's, you have a hat and a shirt on about this. Team. Yes. You know, the way you just described it, you, you nailed it, man. Uh, that's something that Kim and I kind of did together, you mm -hmm. know, um, having the Nordiques jerseys and, um, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but uh, I lost my train of thought there. No, it, it's completely like it's it's one of those things a lot of fans kind of take for granted is like that passion factor, and when it hits, you know, like you see that with a lot of like fan bases that don't support their local team. It's not their heart's not in it, and it's not they haven't like given it that engagement, and it doesn't take much like. Once you find your heart somewhere, you're locked in. Um, right. And it, so watch Quebec go from kind of like the laughing stock, then turn it around, not get Eric Lindros, move to Denver, start the almost be the Rocky Mountain Extreme. That was almost the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, re <laughs> I remember that. Not be the extreme, thankfully. Which I yeah. hope is, I hope that's what the reverse retro is. Just secretly, I hope that's what they do with this 2.0 reverse retro. I hadn't is, thought of that. That's a pretty good idea. Because we've that exhausted be everything you could possibly do when it comes to Avalanche history. Like, why not just do the Nordy? I mean, the extreme. But you, you've you watched this team come all the way up. And then your relationship with the Avs get formed about the same time you have this relationship with your girlfriend and now wife. And they both like, you get to see two cups together and then she becomes your wife and you, it all just blends together. And like the bonds, like take you right through the rough years. Then you watch 
the guy that you fell in love with the team in the first place, go into management and start leading the team in that regard. And now look at where he got us. Right. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's so cool to see him <laughs> still around and, and having such a big role with the team and everything. I just, I love it, man. This, this season was like, a, how could it get any more perfect? You oh. know? And it, it and like the road through the playoffs was almost like a revenge tour for the Avalanche. Like going through, <laughs> like you went through Deshane, and then you went through Ryan O'Reilly, and then Tyson Berry, and then you go to the Stanley Cup, and of course the final boss is everybody's understood Pierre Edouard Belmar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the main rival for the Avs apparently. But it's you, it's one of those things where Avs fans are kind of just like checking it off the list, like. Players you were bitter about, Duchesne, O'Reilly, Barry, you're you're stepping over those hurdles into this new future for the Avs. So it's kind of like you said, it's like a, can it get more perfect? I really don't think it could <laughs> because it was like such a perfect romantic narrative of the Avs like pushing everything away of what you used to know of all those bad seasons, overcoming it every step of the way and then winning the cup and becoming one of the, history will look at this team in a certain way, but this might be one of the best Stanley Cup teams we've seen in a decade plus. Yeah, I mean, 16 and 4 in the playoffs and never faced an elimination game. <laughs> and who knows how many Hall of Famers are sitting on this roster right now? Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how many we can hold on to. <laughs> And speaking of the current team, we, we talked about your love for Sackick, who now is in the front office. Is there a player on the current Avalanche roster that is like your Sackick 2.0? Who do you love the most out of this current Avalanche roster? You know, it's really hard to say. <laughs> I thought about that. And I, there really isn't anyone that I could say is a favorite. Like Joe Sack was my favorite. You know, uh, when I think when you're younger mm. you, and you kind of look up to guys yeah. more. And now that I'm older, I mean, these guys are like the same age as my kids. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a different kind of uh, admiration, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I love the way and, uh, Kale, everybody loves Kale and rightfully yeah. so. But he has that same kind of humble approach that Joe Sackick had and he doesn't you know say a whole lot he just does what needs to be done and that's the kind of guys that, that I really like I was uh, and that's that's why I asked I was curious if because I get those same like Sackick vibes from Kale McCarr and I was curious if that's where you were going to go with the yeah. that stood out to you but um, you know there, there's there really are a, a lot of guys that I think they, I don't know if they made it a point to, and I kind of wonder if Joe Sackett rubs off on these guys because they <laughs> all have, they all just seem really mature mm -hmm. and I don't know, just well coached. You could see that in the Sackett fingerprints. You could see that on the transformation of Nas in his time in Colorado. Like Absolutely. you can see that a, a lot when players come in they're known one way, but like even Taser, 
like the Joe Sackick fingerprint and like the way he operates, like it, it kind of rubs off on everybody and they become this like almost like a Sackick disciple in the way they handle the game. And it's, yeah. it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned Kadri, um, the year before, uh, I remember a game against Anaheim when he, uh, you know, I think his name is, I forget his first name. Is it Nick Delorier? Yeah, Delorier, Delorier. yeah. Pretty tough guy, right? And oh, yeah. He, he was engaged with someone else, and Kadri sucker punched him. And this guy just about lost it and was yeah. trying trying everything he could to get it at Kadri. They both end up going to the box for two minutes. And I said, when this guy comes out of the box, he's going to be like a Tasmanian devil. And sure enough, <laughs> But Kadri just ran away from him. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, not cool. If you're going to sucker punch a guy, yeah, you got to be ready to, 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 you know, yeah, put yourself out there. But, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, he just, he quit doing that this whole season. He didn't have any part in that kind of stuff. He defended himself when he had to, when the Blues came after him in the regular season. Hey. And you and you would see other players like Landeskog. You saw um, McDermott take up for him a couple times. Like when you see other players taking up for somebody who has like that history like that, you see the transformation. You see the team starting to believe in what he's doing. Like it's one thing to say, I'm not fighting tonight, but to continue that throughout the season where your captain starts to take up for you and Nathan McKinnon, so that, that that speaks yeah. volumes. Yeah, that uh, Nathan McKinnon when he fought Matt Dumba, that's a classic. <laughs> uh, it's just even better because it's a it's the wild. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is where Delorier plays now. Yes, he enough. does. Yeah, because that team just can't get any more evil. <laughs> when it comes to the two captains, I know there was one in between. But what do you think about the similarities in Landeskog and Sackick? Are there a lot of um, similarities in the way they lead, other than like Landeskog just being like this huge male model and all over everything and commercials? And like, do you see a lot of the same speaking on the ice out of our captain now compared to the captain of the golden years? Uh, there's some similarities. Um... But there's definitely some differences, too. Uh, I could see, I mean, obviously, I have no idea. This is just an assumption on my part. But it seems like Landeskog is more of a a guy to give speeches in the locker room. I think Joe Sackett was probably more quiet. Uh, That's what they had Forsberg for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Patrick Waugh. Yeah, he was probably good for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, just being level-headed. Yeah. Landis Scott, very similar. You can't, and Kale McCarr's like that. It, guys that get too low and too high, they don't make good leaders. No. Uh, no, they don't. But I completely agree with that. That that was like the conversation for a while when Nathan McKinnon started getting hot was it's time to swap out the C, put it on Nate. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I think he's a good alternate. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it just the way it is. Yep. Yeah. I, I do I would not describe Nathan McKinnon as level headed. <laughs> no, no. He's <laughs> even in the past couple of years, you know, when he threw his helmet at that guy and or well, oh. I guess he threw I I don't know whose helmet it was, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's it's not the start of like training camp until Nathan McKinnon throws a stick in the stands. To an <laughs> empty arena, like in practice, unless he's throwing sticks, it's not officially hockey season. <laughs> and that's it um going back to your point of like all those players that you idolize like i was that way with forsberg and forsberg and wah especially because they felt like rock stars when it came to like seeing them on tv and then you see them now like the unrivaled documentary you get to see patrick wah and you're like ah, those years have gone yeah, <laughs> yeah you see forsberg and you're just like Oh, those years are going by. And then it, it kind of, I, the placement of that documentary when it released, I think it helps us as Avalanche fans enjoy this moment just a little bit because everything we've idolized with the Avalanche run, you see those visually, like they have aged there. Those years are behind them. It's not like they're going to get back on the ice. Who knows, maybe on another alumni game, but. They're not coming back. Like those years are behind us. It makes you appreciate this a little bit more. Like, and you mentioned like the EJ moment when we won the cup. You would think everybody would start listing all like the top three, the three headed monster, then Kale McCarr, but like EJ, a lot of fans talking about finally seeing EJ win one. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Where do you see the Avalanche going forward? What are they? What do you feel out of this team? And then a question that everybody knows, like the other show that I do, Locked on Avalanche with Chris, we talk about this a lot. Who's the next Sackick in the front office on this team? Oh, wow. Man, you're asking the wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know? I, would it not be... Would, like a because we base this just solely off put them in a suit. Do you think they can run a team? Like, do you Jeez. think it could be a? You think it could be a Kale McCarr? Absolutely, Scott? yeah, definitely. Both of those guys capable. Because um, uh, you I, you you want to think about like the the Wa Forsberg, even you can say <clears throat> Hey Duke, like those names that will live on forever and live in the, the rafters of ball arena. Who do you think would be that of this current avalanche team, the next 15, 20 years that we're going to be telling stories about. You remember when Nathan McKinnon did this? Yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess Landeskog, you know, yeah. uh, he's, he's the captain. So how can he go? With anybody else but the captain. <laughs> yeah, he could have he could have uh, went to Seattle at any time and chose to come back. Yeah, yeah. Um one of my favorite moments that I love to talk about with my blues fans friends is uh uh the the series last season. Uh, mm. I think it was right at the beginning of the first game and Braden Shen came after Landeskog, or no, somebody, 
I can't remember exactly what happened, but Landis guy just said, listen, I'm your daddy today, <laughs> you know, and that set the tone for the rest of the series, four game sweep. And, you yeah, know, he's, and he's been known to do that. He started out the season this way in Chicago against with Kirby Doc. He put him in the boards. It was ah, yes. a couple games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're, He's he's a it does not take much for him to set the tone. Yeah, I love the way they they all stick up for one another. Oh yeah, absolutely. And before we get ready to wrap this up, I want to I want to first thank you very much for coming on and sharing your stories like just like hearing somebody really put their heart into a fan base and a fan <laughs> like a, a fandom is I I really relate to that. And that's something that really speaks volumes. Um, No offense to the blues. Like you guys are cool (laughs) and everything. Uh, Be glad you're not. Bennington's not your goalie. Oh, Bennington. We could, we could talk another 30 minutes about that guy. Oh, what, what a absolute treasure. But we won't. (laughs) What a treasure. But um, if anybody is, has really, also had your story resonate with them as it has me. How do they find you? Throw out your social so they can they can find you and say, hey, great story. Loved hearing you. Um, well, I'm on Twitter. Um, you know, I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. Uh, it's like Matthew. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, yep. you can look at it. Hold let on, me let see. me see here. You uh, are at Matthew... Matthew J underscore 23. That's me. Yep. So Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Give give him a follow. He is he is super cool, super great guy, and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. Um and if this is also your first time listening to here in Puckberg and these stories, you can follow the show at H Puckberg on Twitter, here underscore in underscore Puckberg on Instagram. We have a link tree if all of this slips you. It's it's in the profile, and uh, for Matthew and for myself, I would like to thank you again for coming out, sharing your story. It's been awesome, and we're, we'll have you back on again. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Oh, it's an honor, my friend, to finally have a face-to-face conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. you're one of the best. And <laughs> to everybody else, I would like to thank you for joining us, and we will see you again here in Puckburg. Woo-woo!